Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode, entitled Flickr, was given on July 8, 2018 by Jason Shea in the series Ruth, Fully Devoted. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives, The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malin and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you will go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Call me no longer Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the mighty has brought calamity upon me? 
So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. Thank you, Judy. So um, I want to start by saying uh, good morning again. Uh, the story of Ruth and Naomi is, is all around us, right? And when I say that, I mean there's, um, even when we heard the prayers this morning from everyone, there's, uh, there's a sense of loss, there's a sense of grief. We heard about um, separated families. We, we saw, uh, we, we heard from Nancy about the skunk with her mother, uh, with the, I mean the mother with her children, which made me think about um, the other day I was here and we heard this like bird noise, quack, 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 just this like noise like going off in the hallway and we walk over and there's this like little duckling just like in the hall right here, totally away from its, its family. You know, so Bethany goes out there with the kids and they're, oh, let's keep it. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it. But, 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 the, but, but the picture is, is like, there's a, something separated there, and that's, there's something that wasn't right about that. And that duck intuitively knew, we intuitively knew, this duck needs to be back with its family. So the story of Noemi and Ruth is all around us, loss, grief. Um, the other day I was, uh, I was on the phone with a friend, and uh, this friend of mine was um, previously um, homeless, in a past life, and a few years ago, this friend of mine uh, found a place to lay his head, um, a bathroom, kitchen, place to sleep, a room shared by many others. Uh, my friend um, lived at this new place for about three years, and um, he was able to heal from some uh, previous addictions. Um, he was able to heal from loneliness, lack of community, um, for the first time in years, uh, this friend of mine saw a different picture of perhaps some hope uh, of what could be different. And I, I think it's safe to say that uh, this friend of mine saw something flickering, a light flickering in the midst of a really dark time in his life. And this flicker caught his eye, and he decided to give himself to that flicker, that little light. And he explored more about what the flicker offered. Um, and sometimes we find ourselves, right, in, in darkness, and we get a glimpse of a flicker that captivates us. Are you with me? Something that still continues to draw us. So my friend eventually finds, uh, finds a job. Starts out temporary, turns into part-time, temporary, turns into part-time, permanent, turns into full-time, permanent with benefits, uh, decides to save some money for a place, and um, discovers how insurmountable the deposit is for a place um, at minimum wage. Um, my friend gets a call, and he, um, out of the blue, he gets, he, wants, uh, he gets a call from a family member who wants to be reunited with him. And in complete joy, he reshifts everything, everything to, to be with his kin, um, to accommodate the arrival of this person in his life. 
And uh, within 24 hours of this person's arrival, um, my friend loses his job, loses his place to stay. And then within a week's time, perhaps 72 hours, um, this, uh, this kin of his um, leaves him in haste. And um, perhaps, the, perhaps things weren't as green as, as this person had hoped. And sometimes these things happen, right? Life shifts in unexpected ways. So in a few short days, my friend goes back to being homeless, not having a home, and he loses everything, everything, including his kin. He calls me with some updates about his life, um, and he told me he was taking the flicker, the light that he had with him this time, because this time it wasn't as dark as it was the first time. Are you with me so far? So, the story of Ruth and Naomi is all around us, but isn't the gospel always, always around us? That flicker of light always around us, even in the darkest. So consider for a moment uh, Ruth and Naomi and this encounter they have with one another. So Ruth is a Moabite. Um, so a Moabite is someone who is forbidden uh, a forbidden people group that who who have essentially been excommunicated from uh, the people of Israel. So uh, there's there's this law in the book of Deuteronomy that says like you should not have any communication with this group. Um, and the reason that the law the reason that this like statement was made is made was because when Israel was leaving Egypt, um, they had to pass through Moab to get to Canaan. Well, the Moabites wouldn't welcome them with any food or water, and so Israel has to go around Moab. So it'd be like, I mean, I don't know if this is a good example, but imagine the bay, and you're like on, you're at the end of the Samoa Peninsula, and you could just like cross over to get to like King Salmon, like there was like a little trail, but instead you have to go all the way, like all the way down Samoa, over the bridges, Round through Eureka, down to the King's Hand. I mean, that's like very micro um, picture. But Moab's on one side of the Dead Sea, and then uh, Israel's on the other side of the Dead Sea. And so they're, you know, you can probably see the mountain ranges from one another. So, um, so anyway, uh, so the, the, the people of, of Israel are forbidden to kind of engage with the Moabites. And um, the Moabites were born out of incest. So Abraham has a nephew. Uh, Lot. Lot has two daughters. Well, these two daughters plan that they're going to roofie their dad, basically. Get, yeah, right? They're, they're, he, they're, this, is, this is there, okay? I mean, we go, we're going to go into it. Uh, they're going to roofie their dad, and they're going to sleep with him because they want, they, they want to get pregnant and bear children. So they get their dad drunk. They do this. They both get pregnant, and the two sons that they have are the, are the tribe of Moab and the Amorites. So this is the background of what a Moabite is considered. An ancestral land, very forbidden. Are you with me so far? So um, the Moabites also, uh, they serve a different god. They serve a god called Kamosh. And the, uh, the law of the Israelites specifically says, that's the first commandment, have no other gods before me, no idols. Okay, so if you go over and you associate with these other people group, the potential is that you're going to start worshiping their god instead. 
So through, uh, through much of Israel's history, the Moabites, they're at war with Israel. Uh, the Jewish prophets, they attack Moabites with like this really aggressive yet kind of cautious rhetoric. Um, there's an air of warning and condemnation about anybody who comes into contact with the Moabites. And so uh, when Judy, Judy read the story, there's a, the word Moab or Moabites is said over and over and over and over again, almost six or seven times in the first 22 verses. And so anytime something's repeated that many times, the author's trying to communicate something to you. And so what is this? So you have this little story, four-chapter book, in the midst of all these other big books on both sides. And you have Moab, this like group of people that you're not supposed to associate with. And then suddenly you have this book that's talking all about the Moabites. So the picture that I'm getting from this is you have a Jewish family who leaves Bethlehem. And where do they travel to? They find refuge in Moab. So Moab suddenly is a place that accepts refugees. This Jewish family, um, they leave with their sons. And what do they find? Moabite wives. What are you not supposed to do? Marry, intermarry, because they're the Moabites. God is trying to show something different about this picture of this people group. This Jewish family was now grafted in the line of the Moabites. Or perhaps, I guess it's better to say... The Moabites are now an extension of Israel. So in the middle of this little book, in these first few verses, we see a picture of God reconciling nations together. People groups, full people groups. Not only do we see a picture of God reconciling nations together, the Moabites and the Israelites, we see a picture of God reconciling two people together. Because who is Naomi? Naomi's Jewish, she's Israelite. Ruth, Orpah, Moabites. Suddenly, they have to learn. They're, they're trying to, God is trying to show a picture of what, what a relationship looks like between these two people who come from very, very extreme different backgrounds. Are you with me so far? Yes. So right in the middle of this contentious, tumultuous relationship, when Israel is off the path, last week we learned all about what happens in the days when the judges rule, how, how off track Israel was. Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, brings Moab into the picture people group who was not expected to to be in the picture at all so i asked a question last week when we first started i said one of the guiding questions i want to have in this series is is how is god moving the story forward you guys remember that a few of you yeah, not really <laughs> we will i remember no, no well i'll keep saying it so um so how, how is how is god moving the story forward and, and I think God is interested in moving things out of chaos into something beautiful that reflects himself. And I think that's one of the pictures that we get between not only the nations, but between this family who was never, ever, ever meant to be together. I mean, they're complete strangers, strangers who, did, who didn't like one another. So you go back to Ruth. So Naomi leaves Moab, and on her way out, her daughters-in-law are compelled to stay with her. They are compelled to go back with her to Bethlehem, a place that wasn't their hometown. This is Naomi's hometown now. So Naomi pleads with them, don't come with me. This is a really bad idea because she knows what's at stake for a woman with no husband. So Naomi Naomi lives in a patriarchal society. Uh, the patriarch, where patriarchy rules. The patriarchy has the last word. Men have the last word in this 
in her, in her life, Naomi's life. So a woman, typically considered property of her husband, um, she's bought at a bride price when she wants to get married. So one family purchases basically the bride from the other. And, and then essentially the husband of that new household now owns um, this, this woman. And, and, and often will be treated like property. So the role of the woman then is to take care of the home, the house. And she's also, she's also supposed to produce an heir. So the male, or I'm sorry, the husband, he, his whole goal is like, I've got to have a son to carry on my family name. And if I don't, things aren't so good. So this woman, we need her to produce a son, an heir. If you have, if you have girls, it's okay. If you have a son, even better. Still alive in a lot of cultures. Um... So the heir must be a boy. So for Naomi, she not only loses her husband, her lifeline, everything that she identifies with. I mean, where the husband says to go, she goes. You don't question it. You go. There's no discussion. Um, She loses her two sons, her second part of her identity. They're both the male sons that are going to carry on the family name. And she's left with two daughters-in-law that are compelled to stay with her. I mean, they both argue with her, like, let me stay with you. So for Naomi, her perspective, from her perspective, her story is over because she is, um, she is, her story cannot move forward because she's, uh, she's past childbearing years and she's lost everything. So for her, the story is over. And so she's trying to spare the, her two daughters-in-law from the same experience. Like, I do not want you to have to go through this because her status on the social ladder has gone way, way down. So she's like, just don't come with me. Like, this is, a, this is not a good thing. Like, everything in my life is over and done. And now imagine just for a moment how hard it would be for her to, t- to tell um, those two daughters-in-law. This is her only family left. This is it. So this is her opportunity, perhaps her only chance for the rest of her life, that she might have some family left. So she could, she could totally say, nope, come with me, just, and not, not try to spare them from anything. But she doesn't. She doesn't. It's the first time that I think we see um, a, a picture of, of the gospel. She is putting the needs of her two daughter-in-law before her own. It's the first picture. So why in the world does Naomi, I'm sorry, why in the world, all these names, why in the world does Ruth and Orpah feel so compelled to stay with her? Well, I think it's because they saw a flicker in Naomi. I think they saw something in her that was deep, that reflected Yahweh. Remember that um, Ruth, her to her daughters-in-law, I mean, they, they were together for probably 15 years. I mean, they got married. It says they were, child, they were childless for 10 years. And so they saw the way that Naomi worshipped. They saw the way they did festivals. They saw the way they, uh, they saw the way that Naomi um, interacted with her God. And are you with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the two daughters-in-law, their only previous experience before they enter the family of Ruth. I'm sorry. I'm getting these names mixed up. Okay. Um, prior to this experience, 
the only experience that the daughters-in-law had of, um, they had no experience of Yahweh. They only had experience of what a Moabite life was like. But yet they saw a flicker. They saw something in Naomi that was different. A part of compassion. And, and I have to argue that this is gospel. This is what good news is. They saw something good in Naomi. So much so that, listen, listen to what they say. Listen to what Ruth says. I mean, so Orpah goes back on her own. Naomi's like, just follow her. I, I'm really trying to do, do something great for you here. Ruth says, do not press me to leave you. Do not, to turn back from following you, where you will go, I will go. I mean, this is covenantal language. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Your flicker is now my flicker. Why am I using the word flicker? Your light is now my light. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus do thus so to me and more as well, even if death parts me from you. Yes, this is, this is gospel. I mean, this is exactly what, I mean, Jesus, this is the picture we get of Jesus, right? This is the counter narrative. For Naomi, everything's done. Everything's done. This, Ruth can see that everything can be done. Naomi's trying to spare Ruth, and yet not, or Ruth sees something compelling in her. And I have to argue that I think it is, is this flicker of God in Naomi's life that Ruth so desperately wants. And it's small, right? Are you with me? Mm-hmm. And in these dark places, just like my friend in the, in, the, in the beginning that I explained, who saw a flicker and took the light, the same way I feel this is in our lives. I mean, some of us are in really, some of us are in really dark places. And there's yet, there's a light. And yet you are a light as well, right? We have a chance to be a light for other people. Someone's going to see the flicker in us, the flicker of Christ in us, and go, there's something about that. There's something different about that that I, I want to give my life to. See, we need stories like Ruth, right? We need Ruth. We need the stories of, of loss and pain. But we also need to see how beautiful this little four-chapter book is in the midst of Israel's history that just redeems two people groups, redeems a family, grafts new family members together, all because of a flicker. Are you with me so far? Yes. We're going to go into communion. Um, when I look at the words of Jesus, uh, I saw Jesus like constantly, something, something his, I'm oh, sorry, um, Jesus' disciples saw a flicker in Jesus. Jesus comes to his disciples early on in the story in his ministry, and he asked them all to drop what they're doing and follow him. Why would you leave everything to go follow something other than you saw a flicker? I mean, they didn't have a lot of experience with Jesus at that point. And they followed him. The flickers are around us. You are the flicker. (laughs) (laughs) I can't church you on so Jesus uh, took some bread, some common elements, and he broke them. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Go and be a light for the world. Shed your light everywhere. A city on a hill can't be hidden, right? A light can't be hidden. I mean, this light, if this whole room was dark, it would be shining. So when you break 
when you, when you take these elements, the bread and the wine that Jesus poured out, you remind ourselves every week that we are a flicker. We are a light for the world. Um, and that's going to look a little different for all of us. So this morning as we come forward, um, as Ella excuses each row, um, consider what the flicker is like. Don't catch yourself on fire. I'm going to leave this here. Um, would you pray with me? Lord, thanks for, uh, thanks for this just beautiful picture of your gospel. Um, right here uh, early on in the, in the story of you. And um, Lord, I pray that um, we would be flickers for the world. Um, flickers of love and kindness and courage. Flickers to stand and speak up when it's when something is out was not was not out of sorts or not right. <coughs> um, help us to be a a connection for for families. Help us to see past tribes. Help us to see past cultures. Lord, help us to see um, the beauty in in all that people are in humanity. Um, as we come today, uh, just prepare our hearts, Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.